Notice the, the title in the first, um, I guess it's a sentence of this song, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. It doesn't say, All Hail the Power of Jesus. It says, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Um, and, and it doesn't mean just simply if you utter the name of Jesus, it's powerful. Now, there's something more there. In fact, if you if you um, hadn't done it before, but as as preparing as preparing for this week, just uh, because one of the one of the commentators mentioned something about the name of the Lord, how often it is used just as a, a stand-in, basically. You we would think of it that way um, for the Lord. Worship the name of the Lord. The power of the name of the Lord. Um, those are those are biblical ideas, and and they, the name means something more than just what we what we utter. It doesn't mean less than what we utter, but it means more than what we utter. It is, it is where the name of the Lord is. There the Lord is. Uh, in a very special way, as um, I think it was John Frame put it. Wherever the name of the Lord is, the Lord is there in a special way. So uh, that ties into the third commandment that we're going to be looking at tonight, um, which is this. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So there's the whole third, the whole third commandment. And the question is, um, before we get started, how do you understand that? What does it mean? And then how do you live out this Commandment. Well, we're going to talk about those things tonight. Think about those things tonight. But but first, let's review. Um, so, we have been in the. We are now in the second message of Moses. Remember, there are three in Deuteronomy. This one's the really, really long one um, for those preparing to enter. Uh, the promised land, and this is where the Ten Commandments are, and that's where we are, right there. Um, but we're near the beginning of that that second message, uh, doing one commandment per week. And so here's a quick quick summary of where we have been so far, and it'll be a really quick summary because we'll just we'll just read the prelude to the commandments and then the first two uh, commandments. I am the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For the Lord your God, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Notice, keep my commandments and love being used um, as synonyms for uh, each other. So now we're um, Deuteronomy 5.11, uh, and, and here it is again. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So, you've had some time to think about it. How do you understand that commandment? What does it mean? Um, when, you read, when you read something like, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does that mean? Anybody want to be brave enough to say something? <laughs> well, I would guess um, that when we when I read it the next time, uh, you will and I, I mentioned what what I w- was raised with, what kind of an understanding um, you will yours might be pretty similar. So this is the third commandment, and we're going to just ask two questions. We tried three last week; that was way too many. Um, so, what does this commandment mean? And how do we keep this commandment? So, what does this commandment mean? You shall not take the, Lord, the name of the Lord your God in vain. So, how do you understand it? So, if you're like me, raised in an evangelical free church or some other evangelical church, um, you might have, you might equate this commandment that um, you shall not use the name of the Lord your God as a curse word. Um, so that's how I understood it. I, I've um, thought about that for, for a long time, you know, and and thought that way for a long time. I've got my Uncle Dan um, plays golf a lot, um, and, and he... He makes friends. He's got friends that he makes on the golf course. And he, and he always tries, when I've been able to go with him, um, he always tries to, um, he's got friends who are non-believers, to give them some witness. And I was just thinking of a couple of years ago, I was out with him, and, and somebody was um, using the Lord's name as a curse word. Um, and if you've played golf, it makes people do that. Um, uh, and so, but Dan just said, just, just, well, you know, that's the Lord's name. I don't think he'd like that if you use it like that. And the guy said, well, I didn't mean anything by that. It just kind of came out. Um, so that understanding. So I, I was, does anybody remember somebody named Dr. Laura that was on the radio. I'm not sure she's, if she's still alive or not. She probably is. Way back when. Pardon? She's still on the radio. She's still on the radio. I guess she might still be alive then. Um, <laughs> quite a while ago. I don't remember what, how it was or why I was driving somewhere and 
She might have been the only thing on the radio going like West River or something. Um, and somebody called in and, and called her and talked about using the name of the Lord in vain, um, which I don't think that's her specialty. But when, when he explained it like that, the person calling in, she said, well, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that at all. Well, so if you, you have, if you have a New American Standard or an ESV or a King James Version, um, they all pretty much translate this the same way, uh, pretty close to the same. But, well, first of all, does anybody have a different, a significantly different translation than this? then you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Somebody's probably got an ES, NIV. Anybody have any NIV? What does the NIV say? Um, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. So they're, they're taking the words that are translated um, take and in vain and combining that into misuse. To misuse the name of the Lord your God. So that's a little bit broader definition than, than we might have thought about. Well, I'm not sure if Dr. Laura reads the Bible or has read the Bible, but I do know this. She's a Jew. Um, and so if she reads the Bible and she doesn't read it in um, Hebrew, she'd be reading the Hebrew Bible. I'm, I don't know if she does or not. Um, but if she doesn't, if she were reading it in English, she would probably read it in something called the Tanakh, which is a fairly recent Jewish translation uh, of the Hebrew Bible into English. So, um, and this is how Tanakh translates the third commandment. You shall not swear falsely. By the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord your God will not clear one who swears falsely by his name. So they're taking, the the Tanakh is taking the words that we have take, if you compare it with your English Bible, and in vain, combining them to mean swear falsely. Um, so, So why would they do that? Well, it matches the traditional understanding of the Jewish people and many in the Christian community that this is what it means. You shall not swear falsely by the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not clear one um, who swears falsely by his name. So, so, Oaths were really, really common in biblical times. Very common. Um, very, to- very common. I mean, we hear it when we get into the New Testament, when people talk to Jesus, he talks about oaths and swearing and um, in by certain things. But it was really common in judicial settings and just in everyday life as people try to to gain credibility by saying something like 
I'm just going to paraphrase it. Well, I'm telling the truth, and if I'm lying, may God kill me. And so that's the kind of thing. Um, so, so an oath is, or swearing is often, um, something that would be like wishing a curse on yourself if you don't tell the truth. Um, and even, even putting a curse on somebody else if they don't tell, if that person doesn't tell, tell the truth. I'm going to call up one of those just so that you can see what I'm talking about. This is from 1 Samuel. Um, maybe it's 2 Samuel 3. I think it's 1 Samuel. Oh, it's 1 Samuel 3. This is the one. Now, 1 Samuel 3, 17. So if you remember the story, Samuel's a little boy. Eli's the priest who hears in the middle of the night. Um... Samuel, Samuel, there's the setting, right? So Eli, um, in chapter 3, verse 17, after Samuel has um, come back and forth a few times, and then uh, here we go, I'm going to start in verse 16. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he said, here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? That's the Lord. What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So you could also say that on yourself. May God do this, do so to me, And more also, um, if you hide anything from me. So what is that? We don't know. May God do this. We don't know because it might be too severe to even utter. May God do this to me if I tell you a lie. So that's the kind of oath that was common um, in those times. So... Do we ever do that? Um, do you swear to tell the whole, the, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you, God. All right. We think of that as you know we're swearing on the Bible. Listen to it again. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you, God. It's the same kind of a thing. It's it's swearing that you're going to tell the truth with God's help. So if God can help you tell the truth, that's what you're asking for. So you're trying to gain credibility in it. So why would anybody do that? Why would anybody swear that? Why would Israel, why would um, Jewish people, uh, the descendants of the sons of Israel, why would they swear uh, for any reason? Well, here's why. We're in Deuteronomy. We're going to be here. It's in the next chapter, so this might only be like five months from now. Um, But Deuteronomy 6, 13. 
It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you, for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Swear by him, don't swear by anything else. So, so people, they're commanded to do that. Um, so they're commanded to swear by him, not by anybody else. And why? Because when you swear, it, it's in Hebrew, is you're swearing by something higher than yourself to give you more credibility. And people would use that not only in court settings, but in settings that would give them an advantage in maybe business or anything else. Um, but has anybody ever heard anybody who said something like that not tell the truth? Well, that might be what's in mind here um, by this, you shall not swear falsely by the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not clear one who swears falsely by his name. So there's, there's a lot of really good scriptural evidence that this, might, that this would be included in, this, this would be the meaning of uh, the third commandment. I'm going to just read another one from Leviticus um, 19. This is Leviticus 19.12. Which is, Leviticus 19 is largely um, a, an explanation of, or application of, the Ten Commandments. Verse 12. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. So there you go. Um, pretty good evidence. There, there's more. We don't have time to go into more of those, but, but it has serious consequences swearing by the name of the Lord your God. For instance, the second clause here. For the Lord will not clear the one who swears faultly, falsely or declares innocent or acquit the one who swears falsely by his name. So there are more reasons than that to understand this commandment as the in this way. But like the first one we talked about using the Lord's name as a curse word, is there more to it than that? Could that be a, could it be broader than that? Um so this is definitely a translation that is possible but let's go back to our ESV. Uh, those are the words, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain that are combined into swear falsely. And, and the ESV here, um, probably but also the New American Standard and the King James, are taking their translation or taking their clue. Notice I'm saying taking. Uh, for the word take from the, the Septuagint, which if you know what that is, it's the Greek translation of the Old Testament that was, was done of the first five books anyway, about 250 B.C. 
It is the Bible that, that the common people used at this time. At the time, at, not at this time, at, at the time of Jesus. So it is, that, that's common and they use the word an equivalent to or a very similar word to take. Um, but it isn't the only, this isn't the only possible translation. Because um, the word for, that's translated take here has a, has a broader meaning than that. It can mean something like lift up, which is probably where the idea of take comes from. Lift up, take up. Probably comes from that. It can also mean to carry. To carry something. Um, which is very similar to another word for it, to bear something. To bear. So Daniel Block, um, who I've mentioned many times, um, finds the meaning of this commandment in, in, a, in the idiom, in an idiom that was used uh, by uh, the Jewish people at the time, in Hebrew, apparently. Um, so, um, and, it's, and it's not noticeable where that, what that idiom would be if you see it in English or even in the uh, Septuagint. So here, here we go. Um, you shall not bear the name of the Lord your God emptily. So in vain is what he's translating is emptily, um, which can also mean, in vain can also mean empty. Uh, it can mean worthless. Uh, it might mean falsehood, being false as well. So, how do we bear or carry or lift up the name of the Lord your God? Well, Block says, here's the idiom. This is, this is what it means. So, common idiom, combination of words that have a special meaning that might not seem the same as the actual Words. The idiom derives from the ancient practice of branding slaves with the name of their owner. To bear the name of Yahweh means to claim his as one's owner and to accept the role of representing him. So, if this is right, we belong to God. That doesn't, shouldn't be a surprise to us, Right? We bear his name. That shouldn't be a surprise to us either. Our identity is with him. So, I mean, how do you identify? That's a pretty loaded term these days. Our answer should be clear. We, we identify with the Lord. So that should always be our first thought. If we're bearing the name of the Lord our God, uh, if we have received him as Savior, if he has taken us to be his people, I belong to Christ. In everything we do, as we carry that name, we should be thinking, I belong to Christ. I bear the name of Christ, and I'm never to bear it emptily or falsely, in vain. I'm never 
to do that. So that shouldn't be a foreign concept to us at all. So what does this mean? You shall not bear the name of the Lord. So what does it mean to bear the name of the Lord? Specifically, the name of the Lord. What's contained in that? Like we just sang, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Well, that's obviously way too big of a question to to answer tonight. But I'll just mention two things about it. One comes from from frame, and it is this. Where I started off with it. Wherever the Lord places His name, He is there in a special way. And a way to think about that is when it says that the Lord dwells above the cherubim. I'm gonna I'm gonna read that a, a verse related to that from First Chronicles because it really makes the point really clearly that name of the Lord and the Lord are used interchangeably. This is from First Chronicles thirteen, um, verse six. This is when when David is bringing up the ark of the covenant, which would have the cherubim on it, where the name, the, the name of the Lord was to dwell. And David and all Israel went up to Baalah, that is, to Kiriat Yerim, that belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of the Lord, which is called by the name of the Lord, who sits enthroned above the cherubim. So notice the association between the Lord himself, the name of the Lord and the Lord himself, and who they are to, to worship. The name of the Lord. Second thing that I wanted to point out regarding the name of the Lord is that the name of the Lord um, isn't just a name like we give names to people. And we might put some thought into it. We might have a reason for doing it. But as a scholar named Cohen, who I'm quoting from a long, I read this a long time ago, but I've never forgotten him, never forgotten it. The name of the Lord tells us about his essence, his power, and his potential. It represents everything that he is. The name of the Lord represents Everything he is, and if you've been through Exodus, you know that there's just some passages like that that we read, and you, and that just God self defines himself. He defines himself. He self, he he makes it reveals himself um, with that name. So, so let's let's move on to the second thing with Block's understanding of that idiom. It would lead you to the conclusion that that he reaches, basically, which is that we always represent him, everything we do. And according to the third commandment, we should never misrepresent him. So, and and Bloch's not alone in that conclusion. I've not seen anybody else um, write about that idiom. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's there somewhere else. But um, there's only so much time you can read. So, but anyway, 
other Christians come to the same conclusion that, that this is the deal. No matter what we do, we're never to misrepresent the name of the Lord. And if you look at, if you look at it, I'll put it up on the screen in a minute, um, you can see how that is the meaning. It's, the, it's basically the opposite of violating the um, commandments. So how do we do that? How should we bear his name? Well, there's a lot of ways that we could answer that. I'm going to just call up one that we, it was referenced last week, partially, um, but it's from Exodus 34, where, where it's first described this way. And this is Exodus 34, so this is Moses going back up on the mountain, and it says this, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, this is after Moses asked him what his name was, basically, but um, the Lord, the Lord, or ask his name to appear before him, a God merciful. So if I'm bearing the name of the Lord, I bear it, the name of a God merciful. I bear the name of a God who is gracious. I bear the name of a God who is slow to anger. I bear the name of a God abounding in steadfast love. I bear the name of a God abounding in faithfulness, who keeps steadfast love for thousands. I bear the name of a God who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. And who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. I bear that. And I'm never... Um, by anything I do to misrepresent that. That's just a short answer to what it means to keep this commandment. But how do we live that out? How do we live this out? So another way to say it is that we are ambassadors for Christ. Another way to say it might might be we are becoming disciples of Jesus Christ when we are going to imitate God, not misrepresenting, imitate him. So there's no time. We always bear his name. There's no time when we're not representing him. So some of us, when we leave tonight, will go and watch maybe the second half of the Super Bowl. We do that bearing the name of Christ. Some will probably, I know it's a routine, to go out for coffee. You'll go out for coffee, bearing the name of Christ. Some of us will work tomorrow. Some of us will play a sport tomorrow. Some of us will exercise tomorrow. Some of us will go out to eat tomorrow. All of those things, all of that time. It's almost like whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. 
That's what it is. You shall not bear the name of the Lord your God emptily. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who bears his name emptily. But, you know, there's a, there's a reason that, that this gets taken up and thought of often as with what we say. Besides our translation, I mean, why do they translate it that way? Well, there are lots of, of, of reasons to start thinking about, well, why is this so tied, so in our minds tied to it's what we say? To take the name of the Lord in vain. Well, our tongue is hard to control. And often, things come out of our mouth um, that we wish wouldn't have. Or that we'd like to take back. Or that we'd like to forget. Um, James 3, 2. Here's probably why. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Able to bridle the whole body as well. So the common misunder- or the common understanding that we have of using the Lord's name as a curse word would certainly fit into what is prohibited um, by bear, with bearing the name of the Lord emptily. But we might think, okay, so what if it what if it what if it happens accidentally? What if you know I didn't you you say like this friend of Dan's. I didn't mean anything by that. It's so common. I didn't mean anything by that. You shall not bear the name of the Lord your God emptily. Like I didn't mean anything by by that. Never. Never. That actually isn't an excuse. It's, it's actually the commandment. If you didn't mean anything by it, we're never to be in that situation where we're using the Lord's name and didn't mean anything by it. Well, no matter what it is. So, here, here's a way to state it in on the opposite side of this, on the positive side of this, from John Frame. Our use of the name of Yahweh should reflect his holiness. We should not utter his name without expressing in some measure the reverence and awe that are due to him. And so, that's, that's the positive way to say that. But it's said the other way on purpose. God says it the other way on purpose so that we will realize the seriousness of it, because we all have a tendency, not very many of us are able to control our tongues perfectly. Um, so with, that, with the, the, the Jewish understanding and the Christian understanding, uh, traditional Christian understanding 
of you shall not bear the name of the Lord your God emptily, or you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Um, Jesus addresses that. Um, in, in Matthew 23, verses 16 to 22, as soon as we start reading it, you will know this, but this is sometimes called Jesus' teaching on the third commandment. Um, Matthew 23, 16 to 22. So this is how we live this out. Woe to you blind guides who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that is made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar, swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple, swears by it and by him who dwells in it. So if you, if you take that seriously, I mean, what they were doing is trying to get around using the Lord's name in vain. So they would swear by something else. Well, no matter what we swear by, we're bearing the Lord's name. And so when we, when we swear falsely, we swear while we're bearing the Lord's name and representing him. Supposed to be representing him, not misrepresenting him. You swear by the temple and the one who dwells in it. Where does God dwell? Everywhere. Frame makes a, a really long case, basically, that says, you know what? All of creation. You swear by anything, you're swearing by God. God made it all. God is, is everywhere. Um, one other, you know, there's, there's that parallel. It's not really a parallel passage, but earlier in Matthew... Um, it makes this statement. I'm just going to read um, the, the last verse of this, the other teaching on, um, on oaths, basically, is uh, chapter, it's during the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, verse 37, um, about swearing in the sense of taking an oath. 37, that what you say be simply yes or no, anything more than this comes from evil. So what's he saying there? We are always to tell the truth. Bearing the name of the Lord and not taking his name in vain means that we always tell the truth. That's what he's saying. So is this a, uh, this is a common misunderstanding. I want to just, just address it. Um, does this mean that we're never to take an oath for any reason, uh, like a trial? I'm going to read this from 
from, if, if you want to turn to Leviticus 5.1, I'm going to read it out of Hebrew, um, translate it as we go, because it's, it's just a little bit more, um, when you do it literally, it defines the word for you that, that, is, that is in here, which is, um, so, if a person, or when a person sins, when he, when he hears, let's say, the public cry for an oath, or call of an oath, to adjure you. So that's what it means, to adjure when your English translations adjure. Somebody else is telling you, basically, in a case of a trial, you, you are under this oath. It's putting an oath on somebody. It's putting a curse on someone if they violate it. And he is a witness, or he sees, or he knows. And if he does not tell... He will bear, or he will bear his iniquity. He will bear, the same word, by the way. He will bear his iniquity. So, that's the, that's the commandment, right? So there's the commandment. You must do that. If you get this call to testify, and you know something, you have to, you have to tell it. So why am I, why am I saying that? Well, because... Um, Back to Matthew, chapter 26. We're all very familiar with this part of Matthew. It's when Jesus is being questioned, and he refuses to answer. Right? He refuses to answer. Um, This is beginning in verse 62. Matthew 26, 62. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said, I adjure you by the living God. I place you under an oath by the living God. Same thing. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus abides by that commandment to put himself under this oath. And he answers it. Remember it says, if he, if he sees something or if he knows something and he doesn't tell it, he bears his guilt. He knows something and he tells it. Jesus does that. Um, so it isn't that. Jesus obeys the law. He accepts the oath from the high priest. So that's, that's a common thing for people to say is that we should never take a, swear an oath for any reason at all. Jesus did it. He abided by the oath that was placed on him. So 
bearing the name of the Lord is mostly about, we could say, much about uh, how we speak about the Lord and not misrepresent him. Because if anybody doesn't stumble with his tongue, he is a perfect man. So let's close in prayer and then we'll have our final hymn. Lord, we uh, have heard this commandment, which is a daunting task for us to obey this commandment, to live out this commandment, to hear it and to keep it in order to do it. Lord, we pray for your strength that is on us as we bear your name uh, to remain faithful to you. Ask for your help. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.